today, uh, we finished our values, and in a couple weeks, we're going to start um, Find Your Place, where there's a book and a manual and a guide that's going to help you identify two of your gifts, one of your passions, and how it connects all into your story. It's going to be about developing us as people. That's going to start in two weeks. So we've got a two-week gap, and so um, every year, we have a Sunday, and we call it Money Sunday. So welcome to Money Sunday. And you're thinking, oh my word, this is like Oprah, where we get money? <laughs> no. Um, but it, it's an opportunity to, to encourage towards the life. And so I, I, I want to do that today um, with that. So with, with that in mind, uh, I've been thinking a lot about this thing called wayfinding. Uh, about how do you find your way, right? Like um, in, you know, the old navigational system of wayfinding, they're explorers. Anybody seen the movie Moana? Right? Yeah, me too, right? I got a four-year-old, right? I've seen the movie like 80 times, right? Like, it's an awesome show about a wayfinder. And wayfinding is used uh, all these ancient techniques in order to get to your desired destination. And many of the routes are unmarked or mislabeled, right? And wayfinding is important in that realm because it's dangerous. Now, wayfinding today with all of our navigational systems isn't as dangerous when we're actually trying to find our destination. Yesterday, I went to Blake Cider Mill. I'd never been there. I don't like to drive. I don't like to drive north. I don't like to drive anywhere over 30 minutes. Um, and, but there's no danger, right? There's no, no, nothing there. And I did get turned around even though I did have GPS going and I had to go out on an exit. And I'm angry. But yet... It meant nothing. There was, no, there was no danger involved in my current navigation. But yet, in life, there are these sort of dangerous paths. And we wish there was some way in order to direct us towards things that was really true. So, like, even when we're driving the road signs, I found this sign up here. If, maybe if there was something that marked our route like this, you know, bad route road, oh, don't go that way. You know, if life only kind of had those. Because there's so many things that are much more dangerous than just driving when it comes to life. When it comes to truly, truly living life. Have you ever walked on a trail and come to a trailhead that looked like this in the middle? Right? Where it's unmarked. And you're like, well, I, I know I'm trying to go here. But this is an unmarked route. And I think for some of us when it comes to life, and even when it comes to things of money, it feels like it kind of, it's, it's like unmarked, right? Or, or it is mislabeled. Mislabeled life. Oh, life is here when, when you get this, if you have enough of this. Oh, here's how you actually get life. I mean, I've been talking with uh, Scott. We were talking about when for someone in a man's life, right, these different markers of a person's life that says, here, here's when you're actually a man, it's when you make a lot of money. You, you, it's sort of you're rewarded and praised for having arrived. That this was a path towards adulthood. But yet that's a mislabeled route. That's not, that's not the way. So what is these, these ways to, to life? And, and I got to say that there are unlabeled and mislabeled routes to life. There are paths that lead to life that are truly life, and there are paths that lead to ruin and to destruction. And that's why I think we talk about matters today. Because I'm talking about a path that leads to life and a path that leads to destruction. And it's not an overstatement. 
So here's my like statement of the day if you're ready for it. The route to life that is truly life is through receiving and giving of God's self-giving love. The life, the route to life that's truly life is through receiving, I think first, and giving God's self-giving love. And so let, let's kind of start with this receiving angle that see, God's good and he gives good gifts. And we were meant to find joy in what God has given. But since the beginning, this truth of God giving good gifts has been under attack. Has been thwarted, has been against since the beginning. Even in the early book, right, of Genesis, when it talks about a serpent coming to deceive Adam and Eve, whom God had given good gifts of life to for them to enjoy. And yet a deceiver came along saying, is God really good? Oh, no, God just wants to withhold from you. This has been under attack. This reality that God is good and gives good gifts. But God is a giver of these things. The text that I want to look at, the focus on this, about this route to life that is truly life through receiving and giving of God's self-giving love is in 1 Timothy. So I want to read two portions of this. And it kind of connects with money, but it's really about living life. It's way bigger than just money. But there's a context to it. So here's 1 Timothy verse 6 through 10 with a little lead-in of verse 5. And, and this is sort of my translation of the lead-in. Some think that godliness is the means to financial gain. There's people out there teaching that um, if you're godly and God likes you and you're doing good and you're pious and you're doing religious things, you're going to make more money. This is, the, this is the route to having financial gain. Be godly. And he was fighting against this saying, no, 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 that's, that's not the truth. But here is the truth. But godliness with contentment, well, that's great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Starting in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may be able to take hold of the life that is truly life. So here's this text about a God who, who gives it says this, godliness with contentment is great gain. They were such gain. We were studying this text, Vicki Brown and I, as we read through the scriptures in the morning as a staff team. And this text grabbed us both. There is great gain in the idea of being content. And there's another path of, that you can go. Right? This is other path that leads to destruction. It leads to ruin. It's where money is your master and it's driving you. 
And it says, oh, you can't take it with you. You weren't born with anything. And if you pursue it with all you have, it will not do well. It's a temptation. There's a trap in it. And many have, have fallen for it. And some have even gone down this road and wandered from their faith and pierced with many griefs. Just encouraging us, go another way. Go another way. This isn't the way to life. The way to life is with godliness, with contentment, is great gain. I found this definition of contentment. It's an interesting one, right? Well, it struck me. Contentment is finding joy in what God has given you. It's pretty simple. Finding joy in what you've been given. Right? Enjoying it for what you have. Because to not be content is saying, oh, I'm actually not finding joy in what I have. I'm either lusting or envying or comparing or longing for uh, something more. But to be content is to find joy in what you have. To find joy in what you've been given by God, a God who gives good gifts. See, this text seems to be about, here's godliness, it's about finding contentment. It's great gain. And that great gain is having joy in what God has given you. When it goes on in verse 17, it says, command those who originate in this world to not put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So it could be said this, finding joy in God's good gifts in our, at our present state, finding joy at this present moment with what God has given us, his good gifts, that's contentment. How are you doing? How are you doing? Do you find joy in God's good gifts in your present moment? And so here's my question. Where are you currently experiencing joy then? What are the good gifts that God has given you that you're currently experiencing joy? Where is that happening? Where is that not happening where you are not content with what God has given you? Now, I want to be clear here. We're talking about good gifts from God to be content with what God has given us. We're not talking about being content with evil in the world, which God has not authored. I long to be content in my marriage with my wife, the gift whom God has given me. But I am not content with her inability to be able to breathe that is hindering her life. Does that make sense? And so I will battle, right? I will say, heaven yes to the gift of marriage which God has given a spouse. But I will say, hell no to the gift of illness which does not come from God, which is a mark of brokenness in our world. And I know many of you who are here and, and, and have certain gifts that God has given you. And there are certain others. I, I know that many of you write down prayer requests where it's like, oh, my spouse is struggling with depression, bad depression. And so we can say thankful for the gift of them but we can also be not content with the reality of what's happening in their mind and body and brain that is hurting them. But contentment is about being able to receive joy 
for your current circumstances, right? Or that what, that what God has given you that is good. And so currently, what are you thankful for? Does anything come to your mind? Write it down. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I am thankful for my wife. I'm angry over her circumstances, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my present circumstances of a four-year-old boy, my son. I'm thankful for my present circumstances of family and friends who love me. I, I, I'm, this is going to sound stupid, right? But it, it brings me joy. Is I'm, I'm building a, a smoker currently, right? And it brings me joy to do this with friends and to be outside and to make something with my hands, right? What is, it's a good gift of God. What brings me joy? What currently, what, what is currently giving you joy? Right now. Can you name it? Can you speak it out loud in your present moment to be content? Well, this text not only talks about that, but it also talks about finding joy. So finding joy in God's good gifts in our present is called contentment. Finding joy in God's good gifts of the past is called gratitude. When we look back and we're grateful. And so to where and to whom are you grateful? To where and to whom are you indebted? That's what gratitude is, right? It's this sense of saying, I could not have made it without you. That's a gratitude. It's this sense of being mutually indebted, being not sufficient in yourself, and that you're so grateful to someone else because you said, I couldn't have made it. I wouldn't be where I am without you. Life would not be as good without you. It's by looking at our past and looking at the good gifts that God has given. That's where gratitude comes in. We open our mouths and say, oh, God. Look at the good gift that you've given. So to where and to whom are you grateful for? Are you indebted? Now, the past, when the people go to the scriptures in the ancient texts, um, the two stories that come up again, one is the Exodus that reminds us of our indebtedness to God who has set people free, and then the death and resurrection of Jesus, where, where Jesus himself pays a price for all of sin to show us our, his great love for us and to free us from this. Oh, my word, are we grateful? Are we indebted to Jesus? Oh, yes. So, where are you? Are you finding joy in God's good gifts of the past and the gratitude? Where and to whom are you grateful? Write it down. Express it. This week, starting tonight, is a festival. I, I continue, right? It's the Jewish festival of Sukkot. And if you were here last week, we said, hey, this week, throw a party. Throw it that and be grateful. Be grateful for what God has given of the past and in this present, right? And Sukkot was this party, and, and if you drive around Berkeley or Oak Park or Bloomfield Hills and maybe the Orthodox Jewish section, you'll see these little booths with um, grass leaves on top, and people will sit in it for this week. It was mandated in the scripture. You can read about it. Uh, and they're remembering 
the story of how God led the people of Israel through the desert, but yet fed them and clothed them and provided for them in the desert. And so every year after the harvest, after they have the most of their life, right? There was a season in our life when actually this is when they had the most. You know, we don't live in that time where you've got a moment, you've got the most, except for maybe after your, after your taxes come in or after a payday. But this was the season when they had their most. They had their most abundance. And they would step into a little shelter and they would remember God is our covering, not our stuff, not our money. And they'd be grateful to God who provided for them. Can you look back and be grateful of a God who's providing for you? And so I encourage you, like, invite people together this week and be grateful. Be grateful for them. Open your home and share food. Uh, go in your backyard and eat chili. But be grateful for what God has done. Finding joy. And God's good gifts of the past is called gratitude. So finding joy in God's good gifts of the present, that's contentment. Finding joy of the past is gratitude. And finding joy in God's good gifts of the future is called hope. That's what hope is. This text says, oh, put your hope not in money, but in God, who gives you good gifts for you to enjoy. And to believe that in your future, there is good because God is good. There's good gifts, and so we know I'm not afraid for the future. Hope is knowing that the future will bring God's good. That there is love in our future because God reigns and rules and is moving us in that direction. So how are you doing at finding joy in the good gifts of God? So when it comes to your future, what are you hopeful for? What are, you, what are you hopeful for? Are you sensing the move of God in this world, in your own life? And Pat was, loved, loved your heart, and I love that, that part for your daughter who's struggling, and you've seen breakthrough, right? You've seen God move on our behalf, and you're like, oh man, it seems like that ground is, is losing. And so if that ground could be gained by God's good gift, let's cry out for God for that gift to be restored, right? And there's hope for her future. And God's saying, hey, I've got her, right? There is hope for the future of your daughter. And there's hope for your future of a God who loves you and is speaking into you as you pause and seek him. How good is that? Thank you for sharing that this morning. So your future, where are you sensing the hope of God? Where there is good in your future. The present circumstances may be tough, extreme, but hope. Hope that the future has God's love in it. It's filled with his good gifts who gives us things for our enjoyment. The way of this contentment is finding joy and what God has given. So how are we doing? How are you doing? I, I was reading this week that they said that the way, that many think the way to content, contentment is addition. Do you get that, right? So, oh, if I just added this into my life, then I'd be content. And it's sort of how children think. Oh, my harvest continues to say these things to me, like, um, Dad, do you want me to be happy? And I'll be like, yes, son, I do. And he's like, well, then get me a new toy. I think last night it was like, let me watch the show. 
Um, and it's like, Dad, if you don't let me watch this show, I'm not going to be your friend. That's, this, is, this, you know, this is his genius mind working. Um, and, and I'm trying to learn the language to say um, back to him in those moments, right? And I, and I think my most recent is like, oh, son, that's okay. I love you so much, right? It's okay if you say I'm not your friend or if you're not happy, but I, I love you so much. For you even to say that, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me because God loves me so much, right? That might be manipulative, I don't know, you know, right? But uh, I'm working it out and I'm going to the Celebrate Calm thing on November the 9th and if you get that kind of crap from your kids too, you should go to the Celebrate Calm. He's four, and he's already saying that stuff. Moses was saying that contentment comes from addition. If I only got this, then I'd be content. And then I was reading this other guy who was spiritual, and he says, no, contentment comes through subtraction. This is when your desires, you're desiring too much, and when your desire comes down to what you have. What? You sometimes read spiritual things and some people who are kind of like, okay, they're reading the Bible and they're speaking from a platform and you read something they wrote and you're like, what? We desire too much? That's the issue with our contentment? Those who are longing for good things? Is that you desire too much? I say, no. He says, no, you've got to bring your desires to what you have. That is stupid. That's Buddhism. Right? That's what that, it's Buddhism. That's not Jesus. He never said, oh, you know what? You need to bring it down. You're not, you know, no, 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 no. Paul, when he talked about contentment, it was never like, oh, you need to add this and you need to subtract this. He said this crazy thing when it came to the way of contentment. He says, all right, this is in Philippians 4. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. He knows both. Um, I've learned the secret of being content in, in all and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Okay, so first, that statement right there, you're probably just like, oh my gosh, I've heard that a thousand times. It's on a bumper sticker. That's at my grandma's house on a quilt. Um, it's jargon. It's jargon. It doesn't mean anything. So, man, so here's Paul saying, I've had, more, I've had little, I've had great, but I've, I've learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, typically when we hear this, right, it's, it's on the quilt, or it's at the football game where all of a sudden the guy is in the NFL and he's at the big thing and he throws the, the touchdown and nobody cares, right, except for a few people. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, here's, here's the strength that God has given me to throw a touchdown. What? That's not what Paul's saying. He's talking about the secret of contentment. Here's the secret of contentment. I think this helps it remove from jargon for us. Take off the last two words. I can do all things through him who gives. Now he gives strength and he gives grace and he gives comfort and he gives community. Here's the secret to contentment. I can do all things through him who gives. Is that subtraction? Uh-uh. 
Is it, is it, is it addition? I, I, it's multiplication, right? I don't, it, I'm terrible at math. Who cares? I can do all things through him who gives. What's the path to life? The way to true life? And so he said, as this sort of statement is here, the route to life, the true life, is through receiving and giving of God's self-giving love. So how are you doing at receiving gifts from God? Of his love, his forgiveness, of community, of help, of care, of comfort. I know for many of us, we do a better job of being able to give than we do at receive. We struggle to receive. Doing all things through him who gives. How well do you do at receiving this love? I was at a birthday party on Friday night. Uh, Matt Reynolds and his wife Ashley attend here. He turned 40. His wife threw him this surprise birthday party and pulled in all of these people from his life. And so there's a few of us that are from the church light, right? The people that know him from here. But the majority of people you didn't know because it covered the vastness of his life. He played football at Central, at Western or Central, and he um, and his all of his football buddies were there, and people flew in from all over the country in order to celebrate his 40th. And if he was, I was sitting around Matt, and he had just been surprised, and he walked in. It was maybe 15 minutes into it, and he walked up, and there was tears in his eyes. Right. And, and he, I, I wish he was here because I want to affirm him so much because he received it. Right? He received the love that was being given him from God and from others. He was receiving it. How hard is that, man? How many of you are like, I don't want to be the center of attention? But yes, I do. Let me know you love me. I don't want your love. I come, but I'm desperate for it. Don't make me the center of attention, but if you do, I'm going to be mad at you. But obviously, if you don't, I'm going to hate you, right? You know? And Matt, he received it. And his eyes were filled with tears of receiving that love. It wasn't too much of a cost, what people did. He received it. It was beautiful. It moved me. It moved me. How well you're doing at receiving. This is the path to life. To receive the good gifts that God's given you. And then to give. This is what Timothy, what Paul was encouraging Timothy in this text. Then it's to give. To give. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Right? You're going to receive all that God's given you for your joy. Right? For you to enjoy. Receive it. Receive all that he's given you. Receive the, the strength and the hard circumstances. Receive it all. And then give. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. This is a firm foundation for the coming age. Take hold of life that is truly life. So give. It's so satisfying to give away what you love. Tony Pignotti, he sent me this um, podcast from Bon Appetit magazine that has a podcast. And Dave Grohl was on Bon Appetit because he's really big into smoking meat. And if you don't know, I really love smoking meat. Um, and this is, this is Dave Grohl's barbecue company called Backbeat Barbecue. 
Um, why? He didn't make, he's Dave Grohl. He makes sweatshirts. Dave Grohl, if you don't know, he was the drummer of Nirvana, and he's the lead singer and, uh, and, and writer of a band called the Foo Fighters. Been making rock and roll music for 20 years, if not more, right? Super cool. And he's talking about Bon Appetit, and he's interviewing about why he likes barbecue. And he says it's like music. And I was a musician as well, um, and got the honor, Nate and I got the honor of making music, right? And, and the joy of making music is creating it, but getting to share it and see people love it. And Nate was saying, barbecue is the same way. And he just makes meat to give it away, right? He, he, he smokes meat to give it away to firefighters, to homeless shelters, to fundraising events. He's not trying to make a career out of it. That's too, that's too hard, right? That's hard work. Nobody wants to work that hard. But he does it because he loves it, and he wants to give it away. That's the joy of giving. And I was like, oh, I connect to that. That's why I, that's why I do it too. I, I love it. I, mean, I love to eat it. But when I make it, I make a ton. Because I love to share what I love. I love it to give it to someone so they can enjoy it. Can you connect to that? That what you've been given, to give it away, there's nothing better. The joy of what giving, it's so satisfying in order to do so. So give what God has. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. Take hold of a life that is truly life. That's life. To receive the love of God, the self-giving love, and to give it away. In every form that it comes, in hospitality, in kindness, in meat, in music, in friendship, in vegetables, in your garden, in, in embracing, in hugs, in truth. Maybe we move to truly life. The route to life that is truly life is the receiving and giving of God's self-giving love. So, will you receive it today? Right? Today, receive. His self-giving love of the past, of your present, and the hope for the future. Will you receive it? Will you say yes to it? Open your heart to it. And then will you give it? Let's pray.